Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Alexis, vaya mano y el remate a gol de la Cassé. 1-0 Arsenal, la Cassé. Marca el delantero francés. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, good evening to you. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Let's do it. Let's call it a good evening. You know, we're both, we're, are you are you well? Seems the obvious question in the circumstances. I feel okay. I don't have any. Do do oh, now that you say it, I'm. <coughs> I feel like I might have a little bit of a dry cough, but I don't have a fever. Well, there you go. I can't imagine it's anything bad, as far as I'm aware. There's nothing troubling no, going on in the outside world. Right. So. And you, I mean, I suppose, given your track I mean, record, I'm a time bomb, aren't I? Yeah, Waiting yeah. to happen. I mean, the smart money's all on me. But people are surprised I've not already become a statistic, I think. <laughs> uh, Will you become the first podcaster to contract the coronavirus? <laughs> you could be like the Juventus guy. He's the first footballer that we know of to get it. And you could be you could be the first podcaster slash Maybe. football writer. Who knows? Would they put you in isolation because of your proximity? As if somehow through the internet I could infect you. You never know. know. You never know. That'd uh, be- I liked the guy you had on the other day. Thank you. Um, yes. I, I have to say, my friend Annie, Annie McGraw, said um, that when you introduced a guest, and you were like, and this guy's coming on, and he's a scientific expert, and he studies you know, biology, and he's mm. going to talk about it. She thought it was going to be me doing a character, <laughs> which <laughs> <laughs> oh, would have been very God. funny if it was just me like doing a silly voice I pretending f- to know about science. I feel like that might have been somewhat irresponsible <laughs> to do that. No, everything's fine. Look, go out. You know what you should do? Just all go out and spit in each other's mouths. That's mm. how you get rid of this coronavirus thing. Um, no, it was good, you know, just to sort of lay out the facts and to, to yeah. um, you know, to get as much expert information as we could and obviously there are people you know who will listen to this who don't I'm not saying that uh, that it applies to everyone but who don't maybe necessarily watch the news or or what have you because they don't have time or they can't be arsed because you know I find even myself like you know I want to know the news but I I kind of hate everyone mm-hmm. who presents the news and does news programs and radio shows and stuff like that. Like, there's, I've got a very short attention span for a lot of these people because they're just twats. Mm. Um, so, you know, if, if it helps some people understand what's going on and, and to understand coronavirus a bit more and to use the platform for something good, then I'm, you know, delighted to do that. And the feedback from it has been really excellent. So if you haven't listened yeah. to it, it's, um, it's a podcast. Well, you know, in your podcast app, just listen to the one before this one. Um, you it know. is good, yeah. It is worth listening to. I'm not worried for my 
regular place. I'll be honest. I don't, you know, I don't know if he's going to be on every. Maybe cup games getting back. Yeah, I mean, I it's don't. It's not like when Tyo's on. Do you know what I mean? And everyone's messaging all the time. Tyo's good, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, can we have Tyo all the time? I I get sick of that. Absolutely furious. Yeah. To be fair to the uh, professor, I don't know that this is necessarily in his wheelhouse. You know, talking he asks about us extra, extra. Yeah. It's just you and the professor every week. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, if there's a sort of a deadly virus going around the world <laughs> for, well, there's forever, a there's a market. Um, you know, we, we might do a few more, but, uh, you know, hopefully uh, it won't be with us for too long. And it, it's um, it's strange. I mean, like, how are you feeling about it all? Because today really was today is a weird day in Ireland because, you know, it was announced that from tomorrow all the schools are closing, mass gatherings. So that means, um, you know, concerts, theatres, I'm mm. guessing cinemas. So, you know, schools, third level educations, childcare is closing until March 29th and it did spark a bit of a a bit of, a bit of panic I think among people because you know they were very clear and said look the shops will remain open businesses will remain open there's mm. there's enough food for everybody but there was an element of like get out of my way I need to buy food or I'll kill you kind of stuff with the supermarkets they were did you uh, did you do any bulk buying I, I, I asked that without any judgment no I, you know. I mean I have to say like over the last number of weeks I've kind of bought a bit extra of stuff here and there you know what I mean yeah. so I haven't sort of gone out and bought 80 toilet, How much toilet rolls paper are we talking and like all the pasta and all the right. rice and all that kind of stuff but what I what I did like as a this this story became more prevalent was to say, okay, well, this week I'll buy like an extra bag of rice and an extra bag of pasta. And, mm. uh, you know, I bought some flour. I, I have quite quite a bit of flour there now. So if it comes right down to it, you know, you can make your own bread, make your own pasta and, and that kind of stuff. But I haven't sort of gone out and bought like 70 pizzas and, you know, 800 boxes of crisps and and stuff which is kind of what people were doing today um you know there is a you know i think we spoke about it the other day there's a sort of social responsibility isn't there that like if you buy all of something nobody else can have any and like people need things and food and supplies and and what have you in order to live i understand the panic i mean i do understand why, you know, if you've got a family or uh, and all your kids are going to be home from school, all of a sudden you're going out and doing a big shop because, you know, they're going to be eating you out of house and home and, and everything else. But, you know, there are always people who, who kind of take it to extremes. Yes, it's uh, it must be weird. It's quite a weird day in Britain as well, because mm. as much as it's weird in Ireland because everything's shutting down, it kind of feels weird in Britain that everything's not if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, all day. It was one of those days. I don't know if you have this experience ever, but I, I received texts from about half a dozen different people that were clearly like forwarded WhatsApp conversations. And they all start something like, so my wife's brother's uncle um, <laughs> knows someone who works for the government <laughs> and, uh, or is, is a doctor, you know, it's like, well, obviously, yeah. you know, my father-in-law's uh, friends, you know, rabbit is a doctor <laughs> and it's it's always stuff like you know what you should do or what is going to happen there were a lot of predictions today mm. of the schools will close you know the football will be called off and things like that but it it didn't come to pass so yeah it's uh, listen I'm a layman in these terms I do not know what I'm talking about but it does feel a bit odd to be in 
the country that which is sort of not taking obvious steps right now. Yeah, I was watching the Italian prime minister yesterday on the uh, on the news or whatever it was on on Twitter video, and he was talking about like you know don't make the same mistake we did by waiting. You know, act now to put things in place which help spread or prevent the spread of of this particular virus. And when you look at what's happening across, uh, you know, I, I think probably in terms of in terms of you know where we are, uh, as uh, the uh, Dr. James said on the podcast the other day, you know, the UK is where Italy was two weeks ago. Um, and where Italy is now is is very scary, obviously. And Ireland is, I think, similar in terms of the UK. So, you know, we've taken measures, and maybe it's easier to do in a smaller country. Maybe it's easier to implement those those measures. Uh, I'm not quite sure. But, you know, you look at what's happening in New York, which which is, um, you know, put in place restrictions, um, you know, mass gatherings, all those kind of things, 500 people, et cetera, et cetera, much the same mm-hmm. as we have here uh, across Europe. Um, Spain has has shut down La Liga and professional football uh, over there. You know the. I know there's a timing element to this, um, and it's probably something that is going to be put in place in in the UK. But you know we're seeing it now beginning to affect footballers. Um, you know Arsenal yeah. this week, our game was was postponed because of the uh, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Uh, exposure to the to the coronavirus, the persona, yeah. um, but we have some Leicester players now who are uh, in self isolation because of because they're showing symptoms. So I assume, based on the guidelines um, that Arsenal were working off, because they're showing symptoms, they will be tested. Mm-hmm. So if they're tested, and it turns out they have it, you know what does that mean for? For the rest of the Leicester squad, um, or what does it mean for the rest of the Premier League, and and how can you maintain a kind of sporting integrity? Like, imagine if one club or one squad of players is is sidelined because you know X amount of them have been tested positive for the coronavirus. You know, what do you do at that point? Is that just tough luck? Is that like eight Achilles injuries? How do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, there are so many competitive implications i mean i saw someone making the point online that i thought was interesting which was kind of even taking the games behind closed doors i think does raise questions over whether that's fair because playing a game away from home in an empty stadium Mm. is potentially an easier prospect than playing it in a full one yeah i like Um, to i don't know if you heard ken early on the second captain's podcast who was going well maybe there's an upside to this maybe maybe some of the players who are really shy <laughs> we'll find it much easier to play without the the, the gaze of 60,000 people upon them. They might come out of their shells and be brilliant, tongue-in-cheek, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, there is that element, isn't there, to, uh, to, to the games. Like, if you're going away to, you know, wherever, Tottenham or Manchester United or whatever it might be, if you don't have their fans, um, yeah, maybe it makes it easier. Uh, I mean, listen, while we're on it, one, th- I mean, I think seeing games behind closed doors is kind of... It's not really what anybody wants. That isn't football that we know and love. If it does happen, and it is already happening, actually, I don't know why I say if, um, it, the nice thing is the cameras sort of pick up things that players say and stuff like that. You get like a weird insight into how they communicate on the field. Yeah. But that is the slimmest of sort of uh, 
silver linings. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I was watching the PSG Dortmund game for a while last night, and you know, Oof, you know, yeah. I'm, my French is not great, um, but all I could hear was you know, allez, allez, um, from yeah. the sidelines. And then there was, I think, a Spanish left back, and or someone was talking to him in Spanish, where he had the ball, and they they just sort of shouted at him, portero. And like to to go back to the keeper, he mm. didn't in the end. But you know, it would be interesting for about at least a half of football to hear what they say to each other. <laughs> yeah, and then you'd be not like, much more than that. Then you probably like, yeah, the stuff footballers shout at each other in the thick of it is probably not particularly poetic, is it? No, um, no. I mean, Im- imagine the and uh, apologies if you heard any uh, bad language there on the pitch. <laughs> And apologies if you heard any bad language there on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, there'd be a lot of that, a lot of that going on. There would but be. It's it is absolutely surreal, and it was surreal watching that PSG game, and you know the atmosphere that was played in. It feels very odd to me that Brighton host Arsenal on Saturday, and that that's all set to go. Uh, mm. You know, I'm due to be there covering the game, and I I must confess. All week I've kind of thought, I don't think that's going to happen, is it? But now it seems it is. And that and that raises questions about, you know, what's the responsible thing to do for fans, for, for people working there? Um, it's, it's weird. It's a weird old time. And uh, it is weird because even if, you know, the advice is right now, let's not close down football. It doesn't rule out the possibility that some of the people who are going to that game on... Saturday, whether it's uh, Brighton versus Arsenal mm. or any of the other games that are going to take place across the UK, you know, are are are, are free of this thing that that it, it, it's. Um, I know there's you know every time you say look close down football, people will say well, you know the people will congregate elsewhere to watch the games as the PSG fans did, you know, did they just you know all met up and you know made noise outside the stadium while one or two of them you know sneezed and gave the virus to a few more of them and it spread that way or whatever you know but it's like well they'll meet somewhere else or you've got to get places so why isn't public transport closed down and those sort of things but I guess it's about you know the 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 necessity of those things you know do you have to go to a football game but do you have to get the tube to go to work or whatever it might be so yeah it's leisure football ultimately you know as much as it is massively important to Mm. us and to everybody and you're right I mean who knows who's carrying what I mean in the UK I think nearly just under 30,000 people have been tested Mm. I mean that is a fraction fraction of the population and and you know that's barely one full Premier League stadium and uh, yeah I mean, it's interesting you, you know we're seeing all oh, these footballers might have it or a couple of famous people have tested positive for it or politicians and I sort of think well that's because they're the people getting tested do you know what I mean there must be so many more carrying it that we don't know about well that's exactly it I saw that the, uh, the uh, tweet from uh, Arsenal fan at jbaseball44 you know asking how is this possible he's quoting a tweet which says that the CDC only tested 77 people in the US 77 people you know, in, in a country the size of the U.S. So, you know, the, the amount of cases are growing. I mean, in Ireland, I think we had, uh, 
an extra 21 cases or something in the last couple of days. And, you know, exponentially, that's going to apply to to the UK as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess at this point, there's a, a level of personal responsibility as well, isn't there? That people who, mm. who feel like it might be a risky thing for them to go to the game, maybe not even necessarily for themselves, but for somebody in their family or somebody else around them. Um, you know, but where do you draw the line there? Like, if you do, you don't necessarily have an elderly relative that might be vulnerable to this thing, but you know, you get a taxi home, or you, you know, you get on the bus or whatever it might be, and the person you sit behind or in front of or whatever they might be, the you know, it's really really difficult um, to know quite where the level of of responsibility is for things like this. And it's not necessarily just being in a stadium, is it, with somebody? It's the fact that you know, would it be fair to say that? F- uh, toilets in football stadiums aren't necessarily the most hygienic of places, and no. no and, you know. and are people going to queue to wash their hands and mean they miss ten minutes of a game? I don't think. I mean, so. Sometimes it can take ten minutes to queue to get to the urinal in the first place. You know, you're not going to yeah. queue another ten minutes. Um, mm, yeah, take your hand sanitizer. I guess is the advice. You can't. But- uh, I bought it all. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the issue. Yeah. But uh, it, it is a very odd period. And I agree with you that timing appears to be the issue here. Like, I will declare a bias. Like, I have no love for uh, the current UK government or the prime minister. Um, so, you know, there's an element of bias there that I you know, have to make clear. But I accept that they presumably feel that they are going to have to implement these measures at some point and it's about when they do it to best manage the situation and unfortunately like we don't have hindsight at this point you know it may be it may be that they're correct it just feels odd to be the odd nation out as it were yeah the outlier um, in yeah. terms of how everybody else is is dealing with this, and obviously, well, you know, and you look at China as well, and Korea, and uh, you know the way in which they have kind of clamped down on it, and that's been by enforcing pretty strict measures. Yeah, well, I mean, that's yeah. I mean, look, you have to take into account there are different societies, and you know the idea yeah. that you could, you know. Uh, put a whole city like i don't know like into lockdown it just doesn't seem possible you know i'm not sure that's in the nature of of people from this part of the world um Mm. so you know i don't know look it's it's an extraordinarily difficult and unprecedented situation and, and one that's very very difficult to deal with i was quite curious to look at the premier league's twitter account and there isn't really any mention of any of this uh, on the on the twitter account it feels a bit sanitized and if you search the um the premier league website for coronavirus it brings you to articles that exist on on club websites that doesn't seem to be much there from the premier league itself i mean i know what they will say and what the 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 football league have said is that they're working with the advice that's being given to them you know from government um yeah so that's how they're they're operating on these kind of things. I think you know one of the things maybe that gets overlooked um, in all this is is the players themselves and what is the the duty of care and responsibility to them in, in the sense that Absolutely. like you know there are 
there are uh, players' unions in other countries who are saying, well, why should the show go on with the players even behind closed doors? Yeah. Because, you know, what you're doing is putting them into close contact with each other. All the things that you're telling everyone else not to do, you're basically saying it's okay for footballers to do for for our entertainment and for our fun and for the you know the benefit of broadcasters and all those all those kind of things. Yeah, so, I think in Spain the players were pretty clear. There was they sort of kicked up and said, you know, we don't necessarily want to be out there playing in these. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, was it uh, Getafe who were supposed to play Inter Milan, and the the president or the chairman of Getafe said, look, you know, we are not going. And if that means we yeah. lose the tie, we lose the tie. So, you know, the, there's that element of it as well, that, you know, whatever about the, the mass gatherings and, and the people that are going to congregate before, during, after games, all those kind of things. You know, the players aren't um, superhuman or immune from this, you know, as the Leicester players have, have shown. Uh, well, hopefully, um, you know, they're not they're not infected with this, with this but they are showing some symptoms. So... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's a consideration that people aren't necessarily focusing on in, in the in the wider context. Well, I think more broadly than that, even it is just one of those things that brings uh, all sport into perspective, doesn't it? And you know, we all love football. We love nothing more than mm. watching football matches. But I think if you spoke to a lot of fans, they'd say. You know, that they would certainly feel conflicted about them taking place at the moment. And that speaks volumes because, you know, in conventional circumstances, none of us want to see a game called off. It's part of our routine, it's part of our lives, it's something that we love and something we enjoy. But something much bigger and much more important is occurring. And mm. yeah, it, it does feel. Uh, my personal feeling is that it feels weird and a bit wrong that the Premier League is ongoing at this point. Yeah, um, I yeah. I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I think, you know, it's not really a question of if it's going to be shut down. It's a question of when. And that, of course, is what the the debate is, I suppose. Um, uh, but look... It's got to be weird, though, hasn't it, at the training ground? You know, it's got to be weird for those players, for the manager, for the staff, kind of preparing for games, preparing for an end of the season that you kind of know is going to be subject to delay, subject to, you know, matches yeah, that's true, potentially not yeah. even happening. Like, it, it must feel very odd. Like, even physically, if you think about it, you know, the physios, how are they managing that situation? What are they, what are the implications for the Yeah, squad? I thought there's a psychological element to that as well, isn't there? That like Absolutely. I mean, if you're looking, if you're a Premier League footballer right now and you're looking at the leagues in, in other countries being shut down for, you know, a couple of weeks in Italy, we know in Spain, we know, you know, the Champions League. I mean, how can the Champions League go ahead? I'm not sure it can. I think the Man City-Real no. Madrid game is, is postponed. Is uh, you know, the Juventus players, the squad there because of um, the, the player who's been infected with the virus. I mean, they're, are they all going to have to self-isolate or, or be in quarantine for 14 days? There's some talk that Euro 2020, UEFA are having a video conference on Tuesday, apparently, in which they're going to discuss the whole thing. Why they have to wait to Tuesday, I, I don't know. But some suggestions via Le Keep that... Euro 2020 is going to be 
uh, postponed until 2021. I, I, I mentioned that to uh, to Dr. James uh, off mic after we were, were finishing mm-hmm. and I was, um, we were just talking about, you know, some of the sporting events and what have you. And I was saying, you know, the, the thing about Euro 2020 is that it's not just in one country. It's not like there's a mass of fans um, descending on Spain or France or England or wherever it might be. I said, they're having games everywhere. So, you know, many countries across Europe are going to get these wide collections of fans. And he was going, I wouldn't book any tickets for that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to design an event to efficiently spread a virus, it would look something like Euro 2020. Yeah. So, I mean, from a a footballer's point of view, you know, does it feel, I'm I'm not going to say pointless to play, but... It's sort of like, I don't know, you know the way when you're in school, towards the end of term, your behavior might not be at its best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder, is it, you know, something akin to that? I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they're going to, they're going to bunk off and, you know, drink cider uh, in the park rather than go to class, which is not something that uh, I ever did, I promise. Um <laughs> I know what you mean, though. You yeah, know, that, that that thing that happens to teams when they're sort of safely ensconced in mid-table, you know, with a few games to go. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's going to kick in straight away. It's going to be fascinating to see how motivated teams look because even the Euros being postponed, that could be a big factor in some people's psychology. I mean, when we read about Hector Bellerin and his groin injuries carrying, one of the reasons they said that he doesn't want to undergo any surgery or anything like that, prolonged rehab. It's because he's got Euro 2020 in mind. Well, I'm pretty sure you can cross that off his list soon. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it, it's so mad, you know, to be experiencing this as a fan. It's really unprecedented in sort of in my conscious lifetime. Uh, well, all of ours, all of our lifetime. I mean, yeah. you know, I've never seen anything anything like this. And, um, you know, we, we, we can talk about it from a, a footballing point of view. And obviously... A societal and a, a you know a human point of view as well. There are there are issues with this, you know, and it seems you know sometimes almost churlish to sort of talk about well, what's the effect going to be on football when there are when there are people dying? Um, they had a, a journalist from uh, from Parma on second captains actually the other day, and it's you know he was saying it's quite eerie there uh, because it's a, a walled city and everything is sort of shut down mm. and people aren't going out. But the you know the the other reality of that is that people are literally dying. They're dying in their houses and they're removed and separated from their loved ones and and nobody can go near them and you know the the just the reality of that is. You know, it makes you stop and and think about, you know, um, yeah, just it's hard to get your head around in a way. You know, this idea that, well, look, it's happening there. Um, You know, it's it's somewhere in the distance. You know, if it happens in China or if it happens in uh, Italy or if it happens in South America or whatever it is, you kind of feel slightly removed from it. But the reality of it, of this thing is, is going to happen here and there where you are. It's going to happen in Ireland. It's going to happen in the UK. We've had our... Boris Johnson. We've had our first death. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear it. Boris Johnson in his address, I mean, I think... I might be slightly paraphrasing, but he basically said people are going to lose their loved ones before their time. Mm. I mean, you can't really put it more plainly than that. And it is grim. It is grim reading. And mm. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it also, I mean, without wishing to sort of get too existential about it, 
fuck me. It makes you think about sort of the fragility of <laughs> of everything. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it does because you know we we sort of have this like the world works the way it works, and it's always yeah. worked that way, and we've always known it that way. And then something comes along that puts a a spoke in the wheel, and you're like, whoa, what the fuck? This is not you know this is not how it's supposed to happen and maybe maybe that's what happens with societies and stuff you get this sort of correction or you know it makes you think about things in a different way but like you know you know even stuff like supply chains and food and like what happens if you can't get from one place to the other or trucks can't get there or you know all mm -hmm. this sort of stuff maybe it has to change the way we think about the way we live and um you know i'm not going to say that this is a positive thing in any way but maybe there are things that we can learn from events like this which might hopefully Hopefully, make the world a better place when we get to to the far side of them. I do think that. I think that that you know, at this stage, it's possible to say that. I mean, you know, who knows what's to come? But seeing the way kind of coordinated action can happen, you know, cross country and people can come together, it does make you a, maybe potentially a tiny bit more optimistic for things like the environmental issues, you know, the climate crisis, how how that might be dealt with. But mm. I, I, you know what. I guess I suppose the cynic in me says, you know, how much of what's happening is influenced by commercial concerns, and you know, even the fact that things like football are carrying on, you know, is that mm. is that business dictating that rather than anything else? Mm. Um, obviously, you hope not, but you hope not. Really that way. Yeah, it's hard not to be a little bit cynical in that regard. But look, let, before we get to the end of part one, because we, you know, we we have a match. Uh, we have a match, I know. We have a match, weird, and it we seems do. weird, and it seems, you know, I, I, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't 100% sure this thing was going to go ahead. I thought it might go ahead behind closed doors. I didn't think it was going to go ahead um, as normal, but it is going ahead. Um, we seem to have a... A clean bill of health. I mean, can you get your can you get your mind onto this? I'm just sitting uh, here going like, right. We should talk a little bit about the game because it's a game, and that's you know that's why we're here and what it, you know. And I, I'm just I'm struggling to kind of get my head around the concept of a football match um, when all this other stuff is going on. Yes, I feel the same. It's kind of. Yeah, it's 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 surreal that we're playing. I uh, I can't quite believe it's going to be in a full stadium. But there you go. Um, mm. I mean, I suppose one thing I should say is that in these slightly morbid times and in times where people's freedom will be limited, you know, they might look. Of course, naturally, people look to entertainment. They look to things that are going to help sustain them in that. And mm. to that extent, you know, the fact that a match is happening, it gives people, you know, hopefully it brings some people some happiness. That's a, you know, there's something to be said for it that. It all uh, depends on you, Mustafi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, yeah, I can't really quite get into a sort of tactical headspace about it. I mean, we'll see when we get the questions. Maybe it will, you know, refocus the mind. But I suspect, you know, not all the questions we have will be that match-focused because I don't think anyone's really thinking like that at the moment. No. I mean, I, you know, I, uh, you'll know yourself. You've been writing your blog and, you know, inevitably this issue is what dominates because it's very hard to talk about well, who should we play up front or what's the best centre-back combination when yeah. your mind's consumed with 
the news cycle and everything that's going on. Yeah. What is happening with Martinelli? Well, I don't know, but like, you know, there's a lot of other shit going on that I got to think about. <laughs> um, there are, what is our best 11, though? Oh, but- my God! <laughs> not, even, not even a deadly plague can wipe out that question from our existence. <laughs> Um, maybe we should do it if we've got it today. Maybe we will. Um, maybe okay. Well, let's 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 try pick a team then for tomorrow. Let's do that. Let's pick a team. Okay, yeah. Um, this far. Okay, look, it's going to be Leno. Um, like assuming he's fit, it's going to be Hector, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Yeah. So he didn't play the last game, did he? And I thought he would start at Man City, which of course didn't happen. But we um, found out about his uh, his groin. We found out about his groin, but I think my understanding is it's sort of manageable. I think it will be Hector, yeah. Especially because it's probably going to be our last game for quite a long time. <laughs> Just give him a game. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, Center halves, uh, Louise and Marie, or Mustafi and Louise? What What's the Mustafi situation? Is he He's, available? Uh, yeah, I think so. He had a tight thigh and he was being assessed ahead of the Man City game in midweek, but... Um, you know, you, you might say that the the Louise Marie um, combination wasn't wasn't the most secure against yeah, um, West Ham. I mean, they had plenty of chances. It's not just down to the central defenders. I know. So you know, it's not. I'm not just saying because of those guys. But I do wonder if that would be in Arteta's um, thinking. Apparently, uh, Mustafi. And Cedric are now back in full training, and Kieran Tierney as well. Mm. I think it will be Mustafi over Pablo Marie. I have to say, um, mm, I not think he's so done too. anything exceptionally wrong. I just, you know, I just have a feeling that Arteta does like that Mustafi Louise combo. So, yeah. what do you reckon? I think it will probably be Mustafi as well, and, and then I guess Saka at left back. I would think so, yeah. Um, I think it'll be Ceballos and Shaka. Probably. Mesut Ozil away from home. I know. I mean, if anyone's going to have a cold, it's this guy. But I think... <laughs> <laughs> the joke had to be made. I'm sorry, Mesut. Uh, no, I was, I was sitting here going, will I? Will I? I was going, no, I won't. James no. will do it, I'm sure. I mean, any excuse. <laughs> I think um, he... I think he'll play. I think he'll play. And okay. I think it'll be... I think it'll be uh, Pepe and Aubameyang. And then uh, I think it'll be Lacazette, actually. Mm, I think it'll be I think it'll be Aubameyang, Lacazette and Nelson. Ah, I think that's a decent shout. Mm. Um, I do think Lacazette will play. Yeah, um, I do too. Especially because he's had a bit of a break. Mm. But I think, and we know what is, how good his goal-scoring record is away from home, of course, famously. Yes. Um, it's been a while. But, yeah, I mean, law, law of averages is on our side here. He has to score True. eventually. True. I mean, Nelson to play would be interesting. Uh, you know, I wouldn't oppose that as much as I do like Pepe. I think he would bring something different. Mm. Um, and look, uh, maybe we dodged a bullet playing City off the back of that Manchester derby the other day. Chances are we're not going to have to play them at all. Well, not for a <laughs> while anyway. Not for a while. I mean, yeah, there are other things to think about here as well. We, we, maybe we'll talk about those in part two. Um, okay. Those are our predictions for the team uh, tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Uh, but we will take a little break here. Join us after part two with some questions from Twitter and our Discord right after this. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to what is probably the strangest Arscast Extra I think we've ever recorded. And this is part two, where we answer questions that you sent to us on Twitter, at Gunnerblog and at Arsblog, and also on the Arsblog Discord server, uh, which you get access to if you are an Arsblog member on Patreon. Sorry, Facebook, you're all too busy posting 5G conspiracy theories about how Bill Gates created the coronavirus and wants to give us a vaccination, which is a microchip through which he can control our minds or indeed explode us at any moment. That, I'm not making that up. I'm, really, not, I'm not making. I'm not saying that's real. I'm just saying that that's what someone was uh, posting on a regular basis on the Arsblog Facebook page the other day, and I kept <laughs> deleting it. I was like, "Ah, oh, fucking come on! This is actually quite serious. We don't have time for all this bullshit nonsense." So, yeah. so there you go. But yeah, okay. So uh, let's see. We have some questions here. Uh, Mark in Malta, by the way, says, just pointing out uh, the irony that in your last Waffle podcast, you were debating what you would do if you were the last person on Earth. And then two weeks later... Uh, I knew that on some level we would have jinxed this whole thing. It's always the case. Yeah, um, we should have known better. We're such fools. We've got to be more careful with our powers. Mm. Uh, that is interesting, though, isn't it? I mean, I don't think... Imagine if we were the last, though. That'd be a turn up for the books. It would be weird, wouldn't it? It'd be very weird. Like, I mean, how would we... How If you were there and I was here, <laughs> there wouldn't be any internet. Like, let's say we were both aware of the fact that we were the last two people on Earth. I and think you'd have to j- journey to find each other. I mean, that's a film. That is a film. I mean, there's no one to film it. Uh, there's no. no lighting director. No, I can film it on my no. phone. <laughs> Yeah. Just me on this quest. Yeah. It's like the road by Cormac McCarthy or something. Just like, you know, trudging. Yeah. But how how would we how would we do it? I mean, there's no no flights. The Irish Sea is a bit choppy. Because I remember as a kid coming across from from England, when we lived in England, coming across to, to Ireland, you get the ferry from Liverpool. Uh, you know, the the old eight, nine hours it took to get from Liverpool to, to Dublin. Is it that long? Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I know there's the quick ferry now. You know, you go from Dublin Port to Holyhead is like a couple of hours or whatever it is. Yeah. But but the old ferry, yeah, used to... I mean, you'd get cabins and you'd stay the night on the ferry and stuff like that. But I do remember I have very vivid recollections of, of people sitting in the, in the sort of the bar or the cafeteria area of the... 
uh, of the of the ferry and the vomit sort of sloshing from one side to the other as the boat went, you know, rolling with the big, big waves. So, I mean, you'd have to have an exceptionally calm day for one of us to make it from either Dublin to that side or from that side to Ireland. I think we, yeah. Imagine if we, like, did meet in the middle, in the water. We were swimming. And then we just bumped into each other. Knocked each other unconscious and died. Yeah, and that's how that ended. That's how it ended. That's how the human race ends. Uh, Yes, it could happen. Look, what about this question here? Okay. It's from George Michael, which I'll be honest, has surprised me. Uh, (laughs) This is getting more surreal. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know he followed football. um, Especially from where he is right now. Beyond the Grave, he's done well to get in touch. Uh, he's kept his Twitter account Fair active. Fair play. At By Curious George is his uh, <laughs> username. And George, <laughs> he's spelt by BY, but we can all see what he's getting at. Um, George says, I know it's only been a couple of games and he is here on loan, but given it's expected the deal will be permanent. Are we ready to confirm that Pablo Marie has filled the void as the resident hot guy at Arsenal? Hashtag tall, dark and handsome. Uh, look, he seems to be a, he's a handsome he's a handsome man. There's no question. Like yeah. when I'm looking through the squad, because we took a bit of a, a hit, didn't we? We lost Giroud, we lost Ramsey, mm. and I'm not sure we necessarily replaced them with. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the squad and I'm thinking, yeah. Because is. who else is... I mean, Callum Chambers, I think, is pretty handsome. Um, but he's a fair man and that doesn't generally fare as well, you know. Yeah, look, tall, dark and handsome. Yeah. Look, I have to say, in fairness, that the 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 squad pictures that they've done for this year don't do anyone any favours. I'm looking through now, and you're absolutely right. They all look a bit like they've been uh, sort of photo- face swapped, don't they? Very slightly. And you know, we love we love Stu, and we love we love David Price. Yeah, you know, we love yeah. you guys. We love you. But you know, the the pictures. I don't know. They just they don't do anyone any favours. That's all I'm saying. Uh, particularly Hector. Anyway. They're worth looking at, by the way, because there's some really funny expressions. So if you go to the midfield section, I don't know if you've got it in front of you now. Yeah, I do. But look at someone like Matteo Guendouzi, right? He's absolutely smiling away, having a great time. Look at Ainsley Maitland-Niles, really smiling, almost as if he didn't know what was going to happen to him in the second half of this season. Look at Danny Ceballos. Danny Ceballos is looking like... (laughs) I don't know. He's like, why? What's happening? Who's this cameraman? What is, is is that pricey in the background? Is he is he trying to do keepy ups? What the fuck? <laughs> I What's mean, genuinely, mean? I don't know what the Arsenal photographer was doing to provoke that facial expression from Danny Ceballos. He, you have to go and look at it. He's so bemused mm. by what's going on. And you, beside him, Mesut Ozil, it's like uh, someone has just told him you're getting a four-year extension to your contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing all the way to the bank. Joe Willock, I mean, they've just got him out of bed for his, I think. Yeah. I mean, Shaka looks happy. Laka or uh, Aubameyang looks happy as always. Nicolas Pepe is a bit brooding, isn't he? He's brooding. I think I've actually noticed a pattern, which is that a lot of the... Summer signings aren't smiling. So, uh, Ceballos, 
Pepe, Martinelli. Mm. Like, did they have theirs done at a different time and there wasn't the briefing of, make sure you're smiling manically in the first team photo? Maybe, 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 maybe. Who Who knows? knows? Saliba also looking very stern in his, next to a a positively grinning Mavropanos and El Nenny. El Nenny. He's a happy lad. Has a grand, he's a grand time, doesn't he? Yeah, he's having a lovely old time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Pablo Marie has stepped into the void, let's say, left by Ramsey's departure. I still think we can, you know, if our transfer business brings in a couple of honks, I think... Uh, Do you think that there's any correlation between how attractive someone is and how good they are at football? I think you're more willing to excuse a handsome man something than someone who isn't quite as handsome. I do. I, I genuinely. I do you think, think that? Well, what you think? We're more forgiving of a handsome face. Some of us. I mean, obviously, if you you know uh, the the the, uh, uh, the rugged good looks of Olivier Giroud did not do anything for uh, our friend Elliot at the Arsenal Vision podcast, for example. Sure, but he's a man of very sort of specific tastes, as far as I understand. Oh yeah. Well, I don't want to, I've seen his internet history. I think um, what I, I uh, hello Elliot, if you're listening, I think um, yeah. I mean, if Meza Erzl looked like David Beckham, would he be perceived differently? Mm. It's an interesting question. It, it certainly is. It certainly is. And I'm not going to say that I had a very large pink cocktail with Elliot this summer in Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm not. There was a great photo of him and Tim <laughs> from Arse to Mouse. Did you see that? I uh, did, yeah. They looked like they were heading out for a, I, a, a great, a grand old night together. Grand old night in, in Las Vegas. I, I mean, to be fair, Vegas. wow, what a life to be living. Mm. I was sort of jealous I wasn't there. Um, we, the more, the merrier. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, uh, we're undecided on that, I think. Are we? Oh, I think we've decided. I think he's the hot guy, but he could do with more support. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Well, look, Raul, sort it out. Yeah. Sort it out. Your agent mates must know someone handsome. Someone else handsome. Exactly. Um, Okay, Uh, here's a question. Oh, Arsenal Puzzles responded to your um, picture of a magpie, fairly Mm. serious-looking magpie, saying, was that Corvid-19? Which, of course... Oh yeah. yeah, I enjoyed that. There was um, there was a few other bird puns about it. Uh, listen, do you want a, a show-stopping announcement? Yes, please. Right, given that this is technically your show, I really should have run this by you beforehand, but I'm not going to. If football is cancelled, in its stead, Magpie Facts will return to the Arcost Extra. Come on, that's good. I'm all right with that. I'm all right yeah. with that. And actually, on that, we have a question here from, well, it's not necessarily quite, well, it is kind of a question, uh, from Joey R., who's at Joey in some D. Um, and he's responding to a tweet from a guy called Dan Hilton, who is the host of the the Barcelona pod. Yeah. Um, he's been on the show before, actually, Dan. Um, and he said, because of what today means... For the next 30 days of my life, minimum, this is the craziest day of my professional life. I didn't let go or lose my job. The sport just disappeared. 
which is mm. kind of bizarre. Um, and Joey says, this is a good take. I know Dan from the Barcelona pod, but it does raise a good question for hosts of popular podcasts and shows I listen to. What's the plan for coverage of a sport that has disappeared? Well, the first thing I would say is, if we learn anything doing this show and doing the blog and all those things, it's that people love football for all sorts of reasons apart from football matches. Yeah. Uh, you know, look at the summer, for example. I'm sure you would say, you know, we get a lot of listeners and you get a lot of traffic to the site when it's the summertime, If as long as there are other things mm. kind of going on. Um I suppose that might be a bit different. It's not like we're heading into a transfer window, is it? No, we could be heading into a transfer void. Um, I mean, there's that's one of the thing, things I worry it? about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what what about people's contracts who expire? You know, in the summer, we might have games still going on then if everything's put that's, back for us. I never thought of that. Like because player contracts, they end it. Well, I mean, they go the in the end, at the end of June usually. I do, do we have anyone who's out of contract in June? But mu- other clubs know. must do. Knowledge, but plenty of clubs will. Mm. Um, like what happens will... with uh, what happens with Cedric, for example? Like if the league gets delayed and it starts up again in, in I don't know, uh, and we have to play into June or July, and yeah. his loan spell expires at the end of May, whatever it might be. How will we carry mm. on as a football club, you mean, without mm. Cedric? I yeah. think... I th- genuinely, in seriousness, I imagine what would happen there is that they would arrange, at the very least, a short-term contract to cover him, to keep him as an Arsenal player. Because I guess yeah. the registration window would have to open. But what if what if the season doesn't end until yeah. like the end of June? For example, it's mad, yeah. so it doesn't end until the end of June. Your players, your players are going to need. Like, do they need holidays? If they've had a month off, if they haven't played for a month because the league has been shut down because of, you know, what's happened, do they do they need a holiday or...? Well, hopefully they can all the summer tournaments, so that helps a little bit, right? Well, yeah, I mean, look, there's no way if the leagues are delayed that you can't do Euro 2020. I mean... But I think there's a Copa America as well, isn't there, to consider? Yeah, there is, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's... If they don't happen, I guess, you know, we can kind of catch up in time, theoretically, for a Euros next summer. Does, does the transfer over. window, like, stay open until uh, a couple of months into the season, the new season? Well, they've already approved, haven't they, that the transfer deadline in the UK will go back to being August 31st in line with the rest of Europe. Yeah. So they've stopped the idea that transfers will be completed before the Premier League season. So I imagine we will definitely be in line with Europe, but when the European deadline falls, who knows? Mm. Who knows? I mean, it could be quite a gruelling campaign next season, couldn't it, in terms of... yeah. Coming back early, you know, getting through everything ahead of the Euros. Uh, yeah. Mm. And, you know, we've all said we can't wait for Mikel Arteta to have a full pre-season. Maybe he won't get a full pre-season. What a fucking, what a fucking start to management that is for Mikel Arteta. Like you're, you imagine? you're parachuted into a club which is in the shit, the absolute shit, at the worst possible time of the season because it's the festive period. You get little or no time to work with the players. You get a couple of loan signings in January. Uh, you know, uh, 
you're you're trying to pick up the pieces of something and then you think okay well look we'll get to we'll get to may and we'll see what happens and then you know the world will uh you know carry on as normal and then we can bring in some new players make some signings sell some players get a preseason together work together you know get 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 what i want to do in this new season and then it's like well actually no there's a deadly virus that you know is going to kill lots of people and as such, you know, you're not going to have those things. You're just going to have to roll with roll with the punches. I mean, that's, you know, that's a tough start to your managerial life, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. As if inheriting sort of the squad and the situation that he did at Arsenal wasn't weird enough. I mean, I suppose small mercies, really. But as Arsenal fans, maybe we should be a tiny bit grateful, a tiny bit relieved that, if this season were to completely go up in smoke, I don't think too many of us would be too sorry about that, would we? Well, it all depends what happens. I mean, we had uh, some questions here on the Discord, if I can just find them here. Boom, boom, boom. Liney says, with with, uh, COVID-19 potentially putting the kibosh on finishing the league season and the various tournaments, I think we should look on this as a fun opportunity. Okay. Um, can you or Gunnar Blog think of a fun and alternative and safe way for teams to decide the winner of the various ongoing competitions? Maybe a dance-off. I mean, th- th- I'm sure we could think of some fun ones, but like, what happens if the if the uh, you know if the league is shut down? You know, we know La Liga is shut down until uh, for at least two weeks. We know that Italy is shut down until April the third. But what if? At April the 3rd, nothing is that much better in Italy. And what if after two weeks of of no football in Spain, the cases continue to rise and the illnesses, Mm. you know, Mm. what happens? I mean, I think you just, you kind of have to declare the season void in a way. Yes, I did see a tweet about this not long ago. There's some speculation that this could happen in the Bundesliga. Um, And I'm not sure of the exact source, but Ronan Murphy on Twitter, who is a journalist for Goal, says the DFL and DFB... Good English name, that, by the way. Yeah. ...are considering ending the Bundesliga (laughs) season after this weekend, according to The Express. No trophy would be awarded and no relegation would take place. Instead, the Bundesliga would be expanded to 22 teams for next season with the top four teams from the second tier being added. Wow, because, you know, the implications are mad, aren't they? Because you could... The implications for Liverpool are substantial, aren't they? Well, exactly. But, I mean, you you look at the league table and you say, well, look, Liverpool are the champions. There's no question that Liverpool are the champions. But if you Mm. declare Liverpool the champions, surely you then have to declare all the other stuff like who gets into Europe who gets relegated who gets promoted so the idea that if things stretch out a bit you you can only declare the champions seems really weird to me so you may just have to say like that's it we we wipe this season from not necessarily from the record books but we put this season down as one in which unfortunately there there were no there were no winners, there were no absolute losers, and, and we just carry on again from where we were at the start of the season. Well, Arsenal would be the winners, I think, in, the, in that situation. I mm. mean, that's not... I mean, is that viable? 
I don't, but but I, how do you how do you make it fair? How can you ge- legitimately make it fair? I guess you have to end it or void it, don't you? Nothing. Yeah, in you actually you play the games, or if you can't play the games, then it's void. It seems to I me. I think that's anyway. right. Yeah, I think that is right. And, and you know, there are there there are um, implications for for fans as well. You know, because fans have paid for their season tickets, and. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious to see how that all works with people getting refunded. Um, somebody, somebody sent me something. Um, bum, 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 bum. Uh, Paul, Paul Davies, our friend, um, who, who sent us uh, something which basically says that um, the club aren't necessarily liable to refund people if games can't be played for whatever reason. It would seem extremely the wrong thing to do to just say, well, we don't have to refund you um, your money, you know, because that's in the terms and conditions. Yeah, There's a sort of moral obligation, isn't there, when this this thing is sweeping the globe that's out of everybody's hands, it would seem like the wrong thing to do to keep people's money. Yes. I, I haven't asked the club about this directly, but I, I will do. But my understanding is that is a fact is effectively there to protect the club in situations where, like, the conduct of certain fans leads to a game being called off. Oh, you know, okay. if, um I don't know if, you know, the UEFA sort of give out a suspension because we set off a load of flares or something like that. Um, but you would like to think that as a gesture of goodwill, any necessary refunds do take mm. place. Now... Uh, that's going to cost the club more money. You know, we were talking, we were worried about a cup credit that Arsenal might have to pay back at the end of the season. Wow. Well, How many games is it? 10 games left in the Premier League? <sighs> wow. A fair chunk of change. That's fair a lot of, of money. I wonder, do they have insurance for, for something like this? It's There's so few insurance policies, I think, from my understanding, cover this. I don't know, but like... Is this an act of God type thing? I yeah, know. I don't know if it qualifies or not. Um, I have to say, actually, I'm, I don't really know what I'm talking about at this point. <laughs> we need another expert on <laughs> We need an insurance expert. Any insurance brokers out there? Because if there's one thing people love to talk about and listen to on a podcast, it's insurance. <laughs> let's, let's push people's patience, do you know what I mean? It's like, let's see what we can get away with now. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, well, we get sponsors, I guess, for that one. Yeah. Uh, what about this then from I'm Merck on Twitter? He says, hi, Arsblog and Gunnerblog. Hello. Hello. Would you support the Premier League season finishing the remaining games behind closed doors? What if the alternative was cancelling the rest of the games? You know, again, you know, you, it's hard to say without the external factors, but I think if Premier League games are being played behind closed doors, it means that all games are being played behind closed doors. That's a fair assumption to make, isn't it? Not just Premier League games, but the games in the Championship, League One yeah. and League Two and, and all those kind support, of things. Yeah. Like League One, League Two clubs are much dirtier and grubbier than Arsenal fans. They'll pass the disease on the easiest. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> my point, my yeah. point was going to be that, you know, for a club in the Premier League, which is propped up to a great extent by television money and Sky and broadcasting and all those kind of things. You know, of course you miss the revenue of match days, but it's far more important for other clubs. And, you know... You think about think about it from your own point of view, or if you if you have a business, if you go 
two months or three months or six months without your major or without one of the major revenue streams to your business, your business is going to be in trouble. Mm. And when you break it down to or you know, to something personal, like how many of us can go like three months, four months, five months without being paid? You know, not many people can do that. So I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's all well and good to say, well, play them behind closed doors and we can sit at home and we can be entertained by the football because we're all sitting at home and that's, you know, we have to stay in. We're all quarantined. We're all in self-isolation, but at least the football is on for us. You know, we could watch a fucking movie or watch a box set or watch an old series or watch a new series or watch Netflix or, you know, read a book or play PlayStation or God forbid we could talk to each other, you know, to pass the time. Yeah. The, the financial implications, I think, for, for football clubs, if games are played behind closed doors, are too great, really, to make that a realistic option or a fair option. I think that there will be clubs that go to the wall, clubs that just fold because they just can't. They can't afford to pay their players. They won't be able to, you know, to pay all the things that they've got to play without gate receipts, without the money that they should get for um for playing games. So if, it, if, you know, I think we have to like step back and look objectively at like what's best for, for the, for the sport. And it might, you know, it, it seems to me anyway, that like a three month cancellation, if that's what it takes, would be far better for football clubs than playing games behind closed doors. Um, you know, for that very reason, because they, they have to pay their bills, they have to pay their wages. And, you know, they still have to do that, I suppose, um, even if games don't take place. But if those games are being replayed, it's revenue that they will get back in. Yeah, I guess at some point, at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm more on the side of, you know, I really tricky it's really tricky because when we are all stuck indoors being able to watch a football match albeit one in the eeriest of atmospheres uh, would be a nice relief but mm. I find as much as I as that appeals I don't think I can quite square it with myself it feels also wrong and risky for those players to subject themselves to travel and different mm. environments you know where nobody else is i yeah. know they're very handsomely paid for for it but yeah but know, i mean that doesn't mean they too. should be put at risk just because they get paid a lot of money yeah you know okay well look let's have uh, one to finish and this is um sort of back to the same thing uh, garza on the discord says will y'all play fifa against each other live every saturday until we're back to normal can you do like a 90 minute game of fifa is that possible yeah, I think it is possible. Wow. Maybe we should do it. And not behind closed doors. Not behind, <laughs> anyone, can, anyone can come along and they can watch. So, yeah, I like we it. We might get 60,000 in, to be honest, because they won't be at the Emirates. 60,000 on YouTube watching Arseblog versus Gunnerblog. Arsenal versus Arsenal on on uh, FIFA. Yeah, obviously in Arsenal's tradition, probably won't do it Saturday at 3pm. We'll do it on like a Sunday lunchtime or something horrendous. Yeah, Sunday like. half 12. Exactly. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, the, but the classic kickoff. We have another one here from uh, Ian Tig, who's uh, who's at Ian Spins on Twitter. Hello, Ian. Uh, he says we're talk of bike races moving to Zwift in brackets online racing. I don't know what that is. Um, is that like? Come on, Peloton, let's go, let's go. Yeah. Zwift is a, a video game. It's a massively. 
It's a massively multiplayer online cycling and running video game and physical training program. Do you have to have like cool actually? I've just googled it. It looks really cool. Zwift allows players to ride their bicycles on stationary train. Wow! So you um you basically you pedal and okay, that's cool. But you know, it's a video game, and you can see where you're going. This is a great initiative. So anyway, Ian says if if online or if cycling is moving to Zwift, should uh, I'm trying to? I've just broken my computer, so hang on one second. Uh, Basically, should football be decided by FIFA? Is that where we're going? Kinda. Where has it gone? Where is the fucking question? How has it disappeared? Here it is. Should the Premier League be settled by managers facing off on PlayStation FIFA? He says, I reckon Jose is a rage quitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, and by the way, while we're looking for some silver linings, some good news, are you enjoying what's happening with Jose at Tottenham? Oh, my God, yes. (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, On the Discord, the Nord asks, how does this Mourinho disaster rate among them all? I bet uh, I could make a drinking game based off every time uh, he's thrown a player under the bus. Dombele really got it this week, eh? Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I, think, I think, you know, we have... Anyway. <laughs> it's the best one, isn't it? Because it's Spurs. And it's so quick. It's and it's so, so quick. quick. I know. Absolutely extraordinary. I, uh, I'm i thoroughly enjoying it. If, if anything, that's the main reason I have to want the season to continue. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I've got huge regard for the public safety, but I also am really enjoying this bad run of Jose Mourinho results, so... I'm torn, Andrew. I'm torn. Yeah, you know what the best thing is, though? The best thing is, is that we, if it went to, like, FIFA as a way to uh, to decide the season, we'd win the league. We'd win Very the league. True. Do you know why? Because Mikel Arteta is the youngest manager in the Premier League. So he's a cool kid. He's down with the kids. Yeah, the cool kids. That was a song, He's wasn't it? FIFA. Na, 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 be like the cool kids. I don't know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know that song. Anyway, I can't remember who it's by. But anyway, uh, the list of Premier League managers, twenty twenty. Like, who can we rule out immediately uh, as being no good at FIFA? I think. Look, let's face it. No disrespect. No disrespect. Yeah. But Roy Hodgson is not going to beat anyone at FIFA. <laughs> He's going to struggle. Did I ever tell I'll you that honest. story? You know, around the corner from us, you know the way chippers have been, uh, you know, chip shops in, in Ireland, England, traditionally Italian? Yes. So uh, came home, uh, this is a couple of years ago anyway, and you, you, you go in and you've had a few beers and you're getting a bag of chips or whatever it is. This guy was in there. And he was he was he was well on. It's fair to say. And he came in. He was talking to the guys behind the counter. He was going, "No disrespect, no disrespect." And the guys were looking at him, going, "What the fuck is this?" Because they're all from like Romania or Bulgaria or something. This chipper is like Eastern European. They've taken it over. Right. He goes, "No disrespect," and they're all going, "What the fuck is this guy going on?" He goes, he looks out the window. He goes, "Oh fuck, cops!" empties out a, like a wrap of speed or coke or something on the table and fucking snorts it all up and legs it out the door, comes back in a while later going, no disrespect, no disrespect. And the guys are behind the chipper like, what the 
fuck is this guy? Anyway, that was it. That was my no disrespect story. So, um, let's... Uh, Any yeah. conclusion? In conclusion, uh, we all laughed because he was off his box and he just fucking... <laughs> he stuck like a whole wrap of speed or coke up his nose in about three seconds. Wow. So, so That's one way to entertain yourself. It certainly is. The- so Mikel Arteta is 37. He is the youngest manager in the Premier League, while Roy Hodgson is the oldest at 72. Like is Arteta- Steve Bruce isn't going to be good, is he? No. His thumbs are too fat. He can't press it's the right good. buttons. Sean Dyche... Fucking PlayStation, don't fucking fuck. No, yeah, he's not having any of that. Chris Wilder. He doesn't have broadband. Yeah. Uh, Chris Wilder. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think Do you he reckon he could like be a dark horse, kind of? Yeah, I think he could be a dark horse because he's quite astute, isn't he? Um, just trying to think. Dean Smith, 48 years of age. I've got so few opinions on Dean Smith. <laughs> do you? I just, do you know why? Because I look at the Aston Villa bench and I can't look past the horror that is John Terry. Mm, that's true. Um, that's true. Frank Lampard, he's quite young. He's got to st- have played a bit of FIFA. Do you reckon? Do you think? Maybe. I would say so. How old is Frank Lampard? He's 41. Mm. Uh, yeah, he could be good. Um, Graham Potter, who is the uh, Brighton manager, isn't he? Yeah. 44, I reckon. <clears throat> do you reckon Klopp plays video games? I'm not sure he does. Do you not think? No. I think he sort of probably does to try and be mates with everyone, but maybe not. Mm. Daniel Guardiola? Fark. No, Pep doesn't do Pep doesn't do video games. He sits in his attic. You rocking know? back and forth. <clears throat> exactly. Rocking back and forth, trying to work out tactics by candlelight. He does it by candlelight because... Eddie Howe would be all right, wouldn't he? I reckon you have 42 years of age. He'd have a go at this. How is Sean, how is Sean Dyche only 48? I'm 48. Oh, you're the same age as Sean Dyche? Yeah. That's mental. That is mad, isn't it? Mm. I, yeah, it is weird when you find out <clears throat> stuff like that. Ralph Hassenhuttle? It's Arsenal's manager is younger than you, isn't it? Yeah, way weird. Ralph Hassenhuttle, do you think he does a bit of uh, video gaming? I'd say he does uh, VR stuff. PlayStation VR. I reckon he's playing that bike game, to be honest. Yeah, Brendan. What about Brendan? Ooh, Brendan. I'd I say Brendan. I'd say Brendan Rogers. The only video game he plays is strip poker on a Commodore sixty four. <laughs> that's a horrible, horrible. Uh, and he's the one image. that strips. Sure, sure. He plays himself, <clears throat> and he just strips. And he's going, ooh, Brendan. Oh, I don't know if I like it. <laughs> Carlo Ancelotti, 60 years of age. I don't think he's playing FIFA. No. David Moyes? No way. He wouldn't tolerate it. Nigel Pearson? Come on, mate. He'd just, like, stamp on the PlayStation and, you know, boot it. <laughs> Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Maybe. I mean, like, he was a player probably on a PlayStation at some point. I reckon if you've been on a game, if you've been on a PlayStation game, surely you've had a go at it to see how crap you were or how good you were. I was on uh, FIFA for a while. Andrew Mangan was on FIFA. Yeah. It wasn't me, though, you know. You know when you make your own player? Yeah, but you have Fleetwood and um, Altrincham and all those kind of things. But you know when you make your own player and you go, is my name here yeah. in the commentary? 
And for a long time, it, no, it wasn't. And then it was for a while, and then it's not again. And I have to choose Mangani, whoever he is. I don't know yeah. who Mangani is. I who think is he plays Mangani? in France, actually. Um, I think I came across him on Football Manager and thought, I bet that's who Andrew uses for his... Mangani name. footballer, Thomas Mangani. He is a French footballer who plays for uh, Angers. 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 There you go. Angers. Angers. Let's have a look at him. Yeah. yeah. 32. 32. Thomas Mangani. That's me. Uh, so are we saying with some assurance that Mikel Arteta is going to be the best FIFA guy? Yeah, be the champion. Yeah. Problem solved. All right. So that's how we work it out. That's how the that's uh, how Premier League season. It, yeah. Perfect. Mourinho. FIFA tournament. Mourinho's not on FIFA, no. For sure. No way. No way. You just blame all his players all the time. Hey, you know There's what? There's so many people you can substitute <laughs> off. Yeah. You know what? There is a game on Monday, so we've got plenty to talk about on Monday. There's a game on Saturday, you mean? Saturday. My apologies. Well, it's a fast-moving situation, Andrew. That's what they keep saying. Yeah. But, yeah, in theory, there's a game to talk about. I think there will be. I think there will be a game on Saturday. Could be one of our last of 2020. <laughs> well, what let's the, make the most of it. What then. do we do? What do we do? if it, We've got to pivot to something. You know the way everyone pivoted to video? We're pivoting to video. We're this is have a to- science podcast now, anyway. Science, movies, Playstations, all those kind exactly. of things. We can do, like, reviews of uh, box sets, all the stuff people want. We'll give you we'll what just, you want. Yeah, they'll decide. We'll watch uh, old Arsenal videos when we were really good and talk about that. That won't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that's sure to cheer everybody up. <laughs> all right, well, look, we'll leave it here. Listen, thank you, everyone, for um, uh, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, Stay well, stay safe, stay sensible, use common sense, all that kind of stuff. And hopefully this thing will be behind us uh, at some point. Uh, We'll talk to you on Monday after whatever the fuck happens this weekend against Brighton. So until then, take it easy. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market